the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The Law Offices of Selwyn Whitehead is a debt relief agency under federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking debt relief under the United States Bankruptcy Code. This is Selwyn's Law. Every week at this time, we get to hear from Selwyn Whitehead. She's not just an attorney at law. Selwyn knows her stuff and doesn't shy away from the truth, even when it's ugly. Her Bay Area practice focuses on helping her clients to manage their wealth through estate and tax planning, to managing their debt through reconstruction or bankruptcy. And now, it's time for Selwyn's Law. Good day and welcome once again to Selwyn's Law. My name is Selwyn Whitehead and I'm a California Bar Admitted Attorney and also a Bankruptcy Law Certified Specialist who's been certified by the State Bar of California's Board of Legal Specialization. In addition to my J.D., I am also a master of the laws of taxation law and a master of the laws of intellectual property laws. Now, both of these great master's degrees were obtained from my favorite alma mater, Golden Gate University School of Law, which is located in the beautiful streets of downtown San Francisco. Now, because of my training, my experiences, and most importantly, my lifelong interest, I primarily practice bankruptcy law and also do debt wealth management, estates and trust, real estate, and of course, taxation law. And I'm proud to say, as I've shared with you over and over again, sometimes in my overall practice, I have an opportunity to at least attempt to seek out and vindicate the rights of seniors who find themselves the victims of some of the more pernicious forms of financial elder abuse that's all over the map in our country as more and more of us reach retirement age. So I'm coming to you again today in lockdown still from my makeshift studios in my home in the always beautiful city of Oakland, California. And I'm coming to you to discuss some of the financial and legal issues confronting individuals, families, and small business owners. But as always, I must once again preface my remarks by stating that this show does not provide any legal work nor am I developing an attorney-client relationship with anyone within the sound of my voice. Instead, this show strives strictly to act as a, a vehicle for the exchange of information from me to you that might be helpful to you as you seek out more information that's geared to your specific set of facts and circumstances. And I, I do this as I tell you weekly, I believe that if you represent yourself in a legal matter, it's just like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. And um, everybody else in the courtroom is going to be armed to the teeth with legal knowledge and expertise, including the judge, but more importantly, sometimes the person that's not even in the courtroom, it's the judge's law clerk who's going to research your issues and already have told the judge, you know, what he or she thinks the judge should rule on. You don't have no law clerk, but if you hire a lawyer, that person can do the legal work for you 
And if they're like me, they have people helping them do the research. So that's what I'm saying. When you represent yourself in a legal matter, you're not prepared. And it is like taking a butter knife to a gunfight. If you're real lucky and you get real close, you can scratch your adversary on the arm or even poke her in the eye. And I'm not being violent now. But, you know, basically, you're really going to find yourself on the losing end, in my opinion. And um, your righteous claims and your valid defenses will likely see the promised land way before you do. So, as you guessed, the purpose of this show, this show, Selwyn's Law, is to to discuss the law related to your money. And unfortunately, in these recessionary times brought on by COVID, probably the lack thereof, and your overall finances and what you need to consider to protect your own and or your families and or your businesses, financial health, wealth, and money-related well-being as I understand these concepts in this non-threatening forum. So today we're going to continue our discussion entitled The Calm Before the Coming Bankruptcy Storm and what those of us who have been impacted financially by COVID-19 should be doing right now to prepare. As I shared with you last time, my source and inspiration for this series of shows was a very thoughtful article entitled Shut Down Brings Calm Before the Bankruptcy Storm by Trida Pugh, who's a legal analyst at Bloomberg Law, one of the research materials that I use in my practice. And it was published on May 11, 2020. Now, uh, the article itself was part of a special report by Bloomberg entitled Bloomberg Law 2020 Business and Industry. And it looked at, it took an in-depth look at the new landscape that all businesses will find themselves in today and analyzed, among other things, some of the key issues in this brave new litigation world that we're in, such as uh, litigation uh, related to gig workers, litigation uh, related to the COVID-19, and litigation related to bankruptcy, which is my area. And I found the article very, very fascinating and to the point. So in sum, in the article, the author analyzed and correlated the historical unemployment rates in the United States and correlated that to the number of bankruptcies that were filed between 2007 and 2015, and concluded that we, as a market-based, consumer-propelled economy, are cruising for a bruising. That is to say, a huge increase in bankruptcies commencing in the next few months when our government's supplemental payments to individuals and businesses come to a close and the eviction and foreclosure moratoriums that many state and local entities have implemented will come to an end. Now, the author's rationale for this big big storm that's coming up is based on statistics. For example, according to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, in October 2009, the adjusted unemployment rate peaked at 10%. In March of 2010, just a few months after that peak unemployment rate, consumer Chapter 7s and 13 bankruptcies reached their highest number. That is to say, in 2010, there was a record of consumer-related bankruptcies of 
more than 1.5 million filings in total. Now, year over year, um, overall bankruptcy filings tend to rise and fall with the unemployment rate. So uh, as unemployment rate, as the rate rose from 27 to 2010, so did the bankruptcy filings. Likewise, bankruptcy filings followed suit as the unemployment rate dropped from 2011 to 2018. Now, although bankruptcies uh, started to creep up again in 2019, last year, it was only by about two-tenths of 1%. So the total bankruptcy filings in 2019 were still relatively low. That is to say they were less than 800,000 filings against an annual unemployment rate of 3.7%. So according to one Federal Reserve economist in the United States, the unemployment rate could reach as high as 30% because of what's going on and the implications of COVID. And they're projecting that maybe through the end of the year, unless the unemployment rate slows down. So according to the Bureau of Label Statistics, the adjusted unemployment rate for April 2020, just a few months ago, was 14.7% with more than 23 million Americans on the unemployment roll in April. Today, that number is nearly 50 million. Now, furthermore, some employees continue to work but receive less than their full wages. Simply put, Americans have less money than is needed to pay their bills when those bills come due. One of the primary definitions of insolvency, which leads to filing for bankruptcy. And if the unemployment rate more than quadruples what it was uh, in August of 2019, it only stands to reason that bankruptcy filings could easily double from that of 2019, that is to say nearly 800,000 to 1.5 million or even 2 million filings by year's end, 2020. Now, we don't know for certain what will happen after the economy reopens and stays open and the world returns to some state of predictability. With the Great Recession still in our rearview mirror, Congress acted swiftly to provide some aid and relief to struggling Uh, individuals, and businesses. Each week, there are rumors that the government is going to give more relief. Once states loosen social distancing and businesses open up and stay open, some of those currently unemployed should return to work, lowering the unemployment statistics. However, employees of businesses that were already among the walking wounded might not have a job to return to at all. For, you see, the unemployed and the deeply indebted Americans, which more and more of us find ourselves being categorized as, any relief might only delay the need for filing a bankruptcy and not prevent it. Whatever happens, the unemployment rate will likely remain very high Again, in April, it was 14.7% and projected to go as high as 25 or 30%. As such, 
It is projected that bankruptcy filings will probably increase sharply over the next year. And we really need to be prepared for that reality. So when we come back, we're going to continue our refresher on bankruptcy. But first, we're going to take a short break and I'll see you on the other side. Now back to Selwyn's Law. Once again, your host, Selwyn Whitehead. Welcome back to Selwyn's Law as we continue our discussion of today's topic. And that is to say, what is bankruptcy and why is bankruptcy important to our economy and just how does it work? Now, you know, unfortunately, as it often happens in an economic turndown, Individuals, companies, and governments find themselves in a position where they're unable to pay their debt, also known as financial distress, and debt that is large enough to create a great deal of continuing economic hardship is a very pernicious form of uh, uh, economic distress. Now, sometimes the financial distress and hardship Uh, is the debtor's own fault, as I shared with you last week, such as through improvident financial decisions. And sometimes it's not, such as an unanticipated medical expense that are not covered by insurance, or when, unfortunately, people go through divorce and instead of having one family to finance, there's two or might be multiple families. Or as a result of the misplaced trust in a business associate who commits embezzlement, or as the result of the vindictiveness of a person with control over an individual's means to make a living, or as a result of a pandemic that shuts down all non-essential businesses in order to save lives. Regardless of what causes the distress, in such cases, The United States government, our Constitution, provides a remedy that is spelled out in Article 1, Section 8 of the United States Constitution to deal with and provide uniform laws on the subject of bankruptcies, as currently manifest by the United States Bankruptcy Code, the Federal Rules of Bankruptcy Procedures, along with the appropriate federal and state codes and statutes, and of course, case law. Now, bankruptcy is a legal procedure that can be used by individuals, families, companies, and government who are insolvent. That is to say, they owe more money than they're able to timely repay according to their agreement to make that repayment. Bankruptcy allows a debtor to be released from all or part of her debts. However, bankruptcy can also be used by individuals, families, companies, and governments who may be solvent on paper, but they lack the liquidity to pay their debts as they come due. In cases of insolvent debtors, they may seek out and obtain the time that's necessary to have the the necessary liquidity by liquidating some of their assets under the protection of the bankruptcy court. Now, when a person or an organization initiates a bankruptcy procedure, we say they file a petition with their local bankruptcy court asking the court to place the debtor under the protection of the court. In the case of a Chapter 7, 
she can have access to an orderly liquidation as opposed to people picking over her asset bones while keeping her exempt assets to underwrite her fresh start. Or in the case of chapters 11, 12, or 13, place the debtor under the protection of the court and give her the time to come up with a plan of reorganization wherein she, the debtor, maintains the control over her asset while paying what the court believes to be a reasonable amount back to her creditors in some kind of defined time period. Now, the chance to discharge a debt legally is a unique and crucial part of our economic system to understand why we only need to consider the alternative. That is, let's consider what happens to a debtors who were unable to pay their debt before the legal concept of bankruptcy was invented. Now, before bankruptcy, debtors who could not meet their financial obligations were subject to severe penalties. For example, the ancient Greek city-states and in the early Roman Empire, a person who could not pay her debt would uh, be forced into slavery, including their whole family. And this was called debt bondage. A thousand years later, the treatment of debtors was still harsh. For example, in England, the first of the facial laws regarding insolvency were passed in 1542 during the reign of Henry VIII, you know, the guy with all the wives. These laws treated insolvent debtors as criminals with penalties such as imprisonment or even death. Even in modern times, well into the 1800s, people who weren't able to pay their debts could still be imprisoned. They were sent to debtor's prison, where they would be confined, often in a brutal and inhumane manner. For example, in 19th century England, a debtor could be accused by any of her creditors. And once this happened, the debtor would be given a short time to raise the money to pay off the debt. If the money was not forthcoming, the debtor would be imprisoned until the debt was paid. And if you're a fan of novels by Charles Dickens, such as I, you may remember that several of his characters were sent to the debtor's prisons, including Mr. Pickwick, Pickwick Papers, that was published in 1836. In fact, in 1824, when Dickens was 12 years old, his own father was sent to the debtor's prison. So I guess he knows firsthand. In the United States, federal imprisonment of unpaid debt was abolished in 1833, around the same time as it was in most of the states. In England, imprisonment of debt was abolished, was not abolished until 1869. By the late 1860s, the attitude towards indebtedness was beginning to change generally. For a long time, it had been recognized for two important reasons, that a better system was needed to deal with debtors. The first reason was that imprisoning debtors or forcing them into involuntary servitude is an extremely severe punishment. For centuries, such punishment was considered appropriate uh, to defaulting debtors because not paying your debt was seen as a moral failing. In modern times, however, it uh, began to be recognized that it was common for folks to acquire overwhelming debt because of circumstances that might be beyond their control. 
In such cases, it was more appropriate to offer a compassionate solution to the problem. And even more important reason in my mind for uh, avoiding involuntary servitude or imprisonment for debtors is based on a practical observation. People who cannot work freely are unproductive. When such a debtor or debtors are liberated from the burdensome demands of debt that they cannot pay, many of them will once again become useful to society and productive. This is why in the long run, it's more practical to allow people who are overwhelmed by debt to discharge their obligations and get back to work as opposed to punishing them. Now, to be sure, there are always those who are dishonest and who will take advantage of any system. However, it is my opinion and Congress's opinion and most sound people's opinion that in the aggregate, allowing overwhelmed debtors to file for bankruptcy is now recognized to be beneficial not only to the debtor, but to our economy and to our society as a whole. So what what you need to think about now in order to prepare for the day in the not-too-distant future when government and the financial services industry will bring an end to the current moratoriums on mortgage payments, rent payments, evictions, student loan, and other credit payment. A time when we must face up to the facts that we need to have a strategy for dealing with the debt that we've accumulated during these moratoriums because the creditors will ask for their money. Now, recently, a group of small business owners that I'm a part of asked me that question. And they asked me this question, what services or tools are you providing to your clients who are struggling with debt as a result of COVID-19? Now, my answer is what I uh, shared with them is what I'm going to share with you now. As a bankruptcy debt wealth management, estates and trust, real real estate law and taxation law attorney, the most valuable product and services I offer my client and potential clients during this or any other time they're facing financial distress due to lack of income is honest information about their legal and ethical choices in dealing with their individual or family or small business debt. If the client or potential client is an employee and the lack of income is total or mostly total, but temporary, such as a result of a short-term furlough, with a clearly defined endpoint, I may advise them to seek forbearance from their creditors. However, if it's a long-term uh, unemployment situation, such as you're getting fired, we might want to go directly into some kind of liquidating bankruptcy, a Chapter 7, where we would want to keep our non-exempt assets, including any severance that they might have. There might be ways to protect that severance. That's why information from my clients is the hardest thing to get, but the most valuable thing in helping me analyze their situation. And I would suggest that most of my colleagues who are on the up and up consider that to be a key issue as well. Information in, good information in, and we can give you good analysis out. Garbage in, garbage out. So when you're dealing with a financial situation, find an attorney that you feel comfortable with telling 
all of the underbelly situations going on with your finances. That's the only way he or she can help you come through this process. So I'm going to leave it there for now, but we're going to continue this very important subject about bankruptcy and go through who the key players are, what the process is, what the timelines are. Again, we're preparing ourselves for the day when we have to deal with our financial distress. And the more knowledge we have about the process, the more comfortable we'll feel and the easier it will be for us to get through the process. Okay. So again, I'm leaving it there for now, but always in closing here at Selwyn's Law, we always want to stay on the right side of the law, including the laws of bankruptcy and its positive effects on our economy that we need to take advantage of if we find ourselves in financial distress. Till next time, take care. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Selwyn's Law. Remember, the law office of Selwyn Whitehead is a designated debt relief agency under the federal law and provides legal assistance to consumers seeking relief under the bankruptcy code. When it comes to your finances and your rights, seek no other than the law office of Selwyn Whitehead. Selwyn is your go-to finance attorney, specializing in estate planning, wealth management, bankruptcy, tax, and real estate law. In other words, Selwyn knows her way around the dollar, and your rights are protected by our laws. Protect your money. Know your rights. Partner with Selwyn Whitehead. For immediate assistance, or if you have questions, call 510-633-1276, 510-633-1276, or go to selwynwhitehead.com. The preceding paid program is sponsored by the Law Office of Selwyn Whitehead, who is solely responsible for its content.